Welcome, friends, Lost Garfield, and it's time for another Basilia podcast. And today we're talking to Captain Dangerous. Hello. And they are a uh, product photographer. And I've been a fan for maybe three, four, five, I don't know how many years it's been, but uh, obviously for me, it's just seeing the pictures of the Kirby figurine, uh, the Nendoroid one from uh, Good Small Company, and just seeing all the different placements you've done with them. At some point, I saw one, I'm like, oh, I have to follow. These are amazing. <laughs> so however long you've been doing it sometime after that is when i followed <laughs> uh i think i've been doing this for i feel like i'm coming up on eight years wow. seven or eight years yeah i've been doing this for a long time Dang. Uh, so i want to ask uh, so when i get interesting guests when i can i gotta ask about their their profession and everything about that and how did you get into being a, a product photographer so years ago, I actually am uh, from Indiana. Uh, I moved from Indiana to Ohio uh, several years ago. And I was very new here. I didn't have any friends, didn't really know a lot of people, was kind of starting, basically starting my life over. And I have been collecting figures for a really long time. Um, I never really photographed them, though. And I feel like when I moved here to Ohio, I kind of reignited that passion of uh collecting figures and um like kind of just finding like this artistic bend towards it uh and i started to kind of take photographs i did it for fun it was kind of therapy for me i was going through a lot of rough stuff and it was just some some outlet creative outlet for me to uh to work on and i kind of found a like-minded community um on instagram when i started uh, we're very small, and it was something different that nobody else was really doing, um, and it made people really happy, and I kind of just, just stuck towards it, and uh, I really started to enjoy what I was doing, and um, I really just started doing it for fun. There was no, there was no like, career in mind. There was no, this was literally just keeping my mental state afloat, was me taking these pictures of these figures. Nice. Oh, I, sh- I forgot to mention, so people can look at them as they're listening. Uh, your Twitter is Captain Dangerous, or it's uh, anything? I can't remember off the top of my head what your Twitter is actually. Oh, it's I think it's I believe it's Captain Dangerous sixty four. I always forget that I have a number on the end of mine because all of my other social is like uh, the original. Like mine is Captain Dangerous, just straight out on Instagram, and then on uh, Facebook it's Dangerous Pixels, which is like my business name. Um, wow. But yeah, I think Twitter's the only one that it's like not exactly Captain Dangerous because I jumped on the Twitter bandwagon kind of late. Yeah. Um, I've had Instagram since it started. Wow. <laughs> uh, but I never really po- posted on it. I was like, I think I was like fourteen or fifteen when I got Instagram. Um, but okay. I never, I didn't actually start. Us- I didn't start using it until several years later when I like moved out. Um, and I kept my handle. <laughs> ah, right. so yeah, it's, yeah, it's Captain Dangerous sixty four. Okay, so. They can just go to any of those, like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and just mm-hmm. look at the many amazing shots you've made uh, with uh, props that you've made, like, nearly all of it, right? Yes. So uh, most of my props um, I make, I completely handmade. Uh, I just recently got a 3D printer, which has helped me with more detailed minutes. Uh, but I hand paint them all. Uh, me and my husband both hand paint them all ourselves. Uh, so I hand paint everything. Um, there are some that I actually completely sculpt out of clay and paint myself. Uh, some sets, they're like, like some of the dioramas, they're either completely designed by me and, and done by me, or they're do-it-yourself kits that I've completely like either scrapped or gutted and then made them my own. So they don't look anything like, like what they originally got. So I have the pieces, I repaint everything, I'll add stuff to it. It's basically just a base to build off of and make it my own. Um, but for the most part, yes, I make almost everything myself. Like I said, either from scratch or it's based off of like a blank slate set. Dang. So just uh, looking at your, at your stuff, um, let's say, for example, uh, maybe the newest one, like The Legend of Zelda one. How long did that take to put together? Uh, oh, so, so the... that actually is a perfect example so the one i just posted um that one is completely from scratch 1000 percent from scratch uh i had seen these really cute um like farmer's market stalls there's actually a farmer's market down the street from where i live i live in a very cute town 
Nice. Um, and every weekend they come out with fresh produce. There's like live music. It's in this little park down the street. It's very cute. Um, and I was like, oh, this this really makes me think of like the Castletown Market in Zelda or, <laughs> or you know, Majora's Mass at the Clocktown feel. Like, I would love to make something like that. So I actually took a bunch of scrap wood that I had and put it together. I cut out the little the little flags. I drew the little um, like Zelda symbols on them and like, you know, cut them all out, painted it. All of the miniatures, so that camera, the tiny picta box was handmade. Um, all of the little like magic beans, the milk bottles, the only things that weren't actually like handmade by me that were just extras were like some of the stuff that came with like the link figure. So like the the shield and that type of stuff. But everything yeah. else completely made by me. Even the the uh, little deck area that the the set is sitting on made by me. I made a nice. flat uh, deck deck board that was basically made to just put sets on. Um, it's just straight cut uh like base wood and it's stained um and i've used it in all kinds of sets as just a base for stuff uh but yeah that's a that's a set i did oh my gosh i think because i was checking today i think the date was 2016 or 17 that i built that wow so it's been a while <laughs> okay uh, just uh so like the milk bottles is that like little like milky white water or is that like a gel yes. in there okay so with with that it's um it's actually like Elmer's glue with a huh. little bit of paint and a little bit of water. <laughs> okay. And so you're very close, yes. <laughs> okay, and then for the green one, it's, oh, I think it's also green and a red potion. Okay. Yeah, so I had the green and the, I think I had green, blue, and red for the potion. So that is just water with a tiny bit of food dye. Oh, cool. It's so impressive. It's like I'll, this, this whole setup here and then going down the list because I'm just going down the list. Oh, this is on the 25th. So this was on my birthday. The uh, uh, Mushroom Kirby. Like, he's got that mushroom hat. It looks yes! so, so good. So that was another thing. Completely handmade. Um, I had seen... I had seen these really awesome uh, mushroom hats that were actually for people. They were just... They, I mean, they were, like, made of felt and something else. But they were beautiful. And I was like, you know be really yes i feel like kirby would definitely be like he would have a mushroom hat like he would have like a mushroom witch feeling hat so i sat down and actually that was the first hat that i've ever learned how to blend uh like blend the sculpt together so i actually had to do two separate pieces and blend them so they all look like they were fused into one piece and i had never done that before um and i was kind of nervous because i was trying to make it look kind of whimsical i had to like bend up one end of the hat and then i had to like kind of make the, the, the top curled. I wanted to make it very whimsical. Um, but after I baked it, which was really neat, so usually what happens is I will either sculpt a base um, like piece. Uh, I'll add some details or whatever. What I'll do is after I bake it, I give it to my husband to paint because he's an insanely good like miniature painter. Like nice. He's really good at detail painting. Hmm. Um, and so I was like, Hey, like, you know, I'm going to kind of let you have your own, like, this is what I'm going for, but this is, this is like, I want you to have your own creative bend with this. What he <laughs> did is he actually took a sander and he sanded the individual little like mushroom slats underneath it. So Ooh. you can you kind of get that feel. Yeah. Like, like, I mean, you've seen the underneath of the mushroom, like it's that yeah. same feel. So he did that. He's like, I thought you would like that. And then he painted the top of it and added the like the fade of like the dark red and everything. I mean, he he completed the piece. I I started it. I got the base. I got the idea. And he he basically just kind of ran with it. Um, and it's one of my favorite hats I've made for Kirby. I have several more planned, but this one was I think my favorite so far. And <laughs> there's some nice teamwork right there. Oh yeah, we definitely tag team on a lot of uh, artistic stuff. I'll, I build, I build ninety percent of the sets, but some of, there's some pieces that just have his perfect, like detailed painting touch on it. They just make it like they just makes it perfect. Wow. The actual picto, picto box and the um, the uh, Zelda uh, market thing that you were just talking about. He actually mm -hmm. made that for me, kind of as a surprise. So I had told him. <laughs> I was like, hey, like, you know, I really would love to make this picto box. Like, I really loved this, this, you know, thing in Majora's Mask. I thought it was so neat. Um, I would love to have, like, a miniature of it. And I was expecting something simple. I wasn't expecting something, you know, crazy. No, he was up till three in the morning Dang. making this tiny little thing. And he actually figured out how to make the lens, like, look clear. He actually took a, a very small bit of hot glue 
and it dried clear and that's how he got the lens to look that way like i i this is this was years ago like this is before we really had learned how to start crafting stuff it was just like me like hey i really would like some help on trying to figure out how to make this picto box and he just went above and beyond (laughs) and to this day you know i've had it gosh i think it's been four years and to this day it is still one of my absolute favorite pieces i have like it just the the detail on it is absolutely incredible (laughs) nice like this is what i love about creation just uh, people can just come up with things, and I get like being up to three AM just because sometimes you you have to get it done. Because if you don't get it done, you might forget your train of thought or mm-hmm, something mm-hmm. the next day, or you just can't sleep because you really want to get it done. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So let's see. Here. Uh, I'm gonna go to your the pinned one. Okay, how the heck? <laughs> so it's Kirby is in the air with the balloons, and there's another Kirby, like blue Kirby looking at him. He's like, hey, I want those too. Yeah. Is it just like fishing line or how's he in the air? So, <laughs> again, this is another tag team picture. All right. So, this is actually in my front yard. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, Balloon Kirby is actually being held by my husband. He has a he has a little stand in his back and he's actually so what I did is I took a Figma stand, which Figma stands are a lot longer than the uh Nindroid stands. Okay. But they work for some reason they work well with Kirby. Huh. So, I have him holding that longer stand, and I'm like, actually have the uh, camera down to the ground. So it's like on, it's like, it's on, it's on a tripod and everything. And he, he is kind of like, okay, you're in focus. You're out of focus. Like we're trying to like line it up. And as soon as I get it, I, you know, I'm snapping the pictures. And then, because you can see his hand, I have him move his hand. Then I have to take the picture again. So what you do is when you go into Photoshop or overlay or anything, when you go into that, you overlay the photos. And because one has Kirby in it and one doesn't, you can can basically erase his hand. It's a really simple and easy Photoshop trick without having to completely blur and like spot correct or you know um stamp something to like cover cover up the stand or you know his hand or whatever it's a very easy way to do that that's actually how i did it for the longest time um because it's the most true to color true to light uh way to kind of photoshop stuff out um without the lighting looking like very different from the original photo but that's how we did that. Um, and anytime I have any figure floating or standing, like like that's that's in air or or whatever, that's usually how I do it. Um, the other times I try to just very cleverly hide the stand. A lot of people ask me like, how do you take pictures and the stand not show up? Um, I've used like modified versions of the the Nindroid stands I've had. I've used sticks because they blend in more naturally with a earthy background. So if I'm, you know, used taking a picture of a figure in the grass and I need him to stand up, if you use a stick to hold him up, the brown blends in with the green and you can't tell. It's not like a plastic object, you know, behind him that is very obvious that it's, you know, not matching with the background. Um, it's been a lot, a lot of trial and error with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I bet. Like, personally, like the only experience I have mostly is uh, stop motion stuff. Yeah. And just trying just cameras, like the framing and everything. I'm okay. What I'm trying to say is I'm impressed with all of this, everything about it. (laughs) Um, the lighting, the props, the, the staging, the framing, it's, it's just so good. That's why I'm, I'm such a fan. Oh, thank you. It has taken me a very long time. And I, again, I am very much still learning. I mean, Mm -hmm. even now there's times where, you know, I look at things I'm like, oh, you know, I could, I could do this better. Like, and that's, I think that's the biggest thing for, uh, like, not only just a good artist, but an artist that's wanting to, to better themselves is it's one thing to, um, like try to improve on your work and everything, but it's another thing to like, yes, you want to be satisfied with what you're doing, but you also never want to be so satisfied to the point where you're settled. So you kind of always want to be like, I could try and do better. Maybe I could learn something that will help me with another set later on. And that's kind of what I've learned over the last, I would say, year or so is to push myself out of those comfort zones to learn new techniques from stuff that I may not even think applies to macro photography, but will help me in the end. Um, I do a lot of uh, wedding photography on the side. I do... I do a lot of like mini uh, uh, typical like photography stuff. I, I do a lot of it because it's it's a challenge. It's different and it teaches me how to be quick on my feet 
and how to learn how to change lighting quickly. And it also teaches me like it's it's just it's just a new a new style or a, a new um, level of my craft that I'm I'm learning how to do. Because I don't want to just be good at one thing. Like right. you know, yes, macro photography is you know what what I lean towards, but I want to learn how to do everything. Video photography, you know, product photography, people photography, nature photography, like what, whatever you can throw at me, like I want to learn. Um, and I think that's really important for artists to just never feel when you start feeling comfortable, I feel like you start to settle. Um, and I feel like the biggest thing is you don't want to you don't want to feel comfortable. You want to constantly be pushing yourself outside of your boundaries because that's how you grow. That's how you learn. And that's how you start to get more confident in what you're doing. Um, and I used to be that person that was afraid to try new stuff. You know, I wanted to stay in my little, my little cocoon where, you know, I knew I was good at this. Um, but you have to go out there and fail to learn. And that's something that I feel like a lot of people don't want to do, but it has helped me. And honestly, failing <laughs> and, and having to pick myself up again and, and trying to learn how to, a new technique or, you know, not being the best at it has helped not only my confidence, but also help me when I learn new projects and things to not be so overwhelmed by it. Because you know what, I'm learning, you know, new stuff. I know I've been through worse or harder things like I can take on this new stuff. And I think that's a big thing for artists of, of all mediums, not just photography, uh, illustration, uh, videography, um, like anything, you know, you, you really have to test those limits if you want to grow and get better. That is inspiring. Incredibly. Inspiring. <laughs> like, I mean, like that's, that's really good what you just said. And I hope anyone listening takes it to heart. Cause I have a lot of, I know a lot of artists and everything and, there's a lot of fear of failure for sure and oh, also and, and that's that's exactly why I that's exactly why I say what I do because I I very much feel that for those for those people who are afraid to step out of their boundaries to do something different because you're afraid that you know all oh, people aren't going to like it or you know mm -hmm. it's not you know not what I did before it's not the same style or this like honestly forget those people like you want people that are going to be uh, by your side and encouraging you as you're trying new things because I'm going to be honest, constantly doing the same thing over and over again and never trying something new or stepping outside of your boundaries. Like it's, it's just soul crushing. Like there's, there's nothing that you don't feel like you're moving forward because you're just doing the same thing over and over again. And, and that's why I started, you know, doing um, different styles of, of photography and started pushing myself and starting to do videography and putting myself in front of the camera a little bit and doing these things because I knew if I didn't, I would never progress. Um, and I'm terrified oftentimes of being in front of the camera. And it took several times of me having to be in front of the camera and telling myself that I could do it, that I could get past it. And that I was, I was the only one that was being super critical and hard on myself and that this was something that I could overcome and that I knew after I did it that I would be way more confident. And I can tell you every time you put yourself out there and you do that, you will feel so much better afterwards. You're going to feel empowered. You're going to feel like you can take on the world and you're going to be able to push yourself to do that next hard project or that, that thing that you feel like, you know, oh, I'm not good enough to do. You may feel like you're not good enough to do it, but I guarantee you can conquer it because I don't know how many times I have had projects thrown at me from companies that are way out of my league. <laughs> and I've looked at them like, you know what? I can do this. I don't know what I'm doing, but you know what? I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to do it well and I'm going to do it professionally. And I'm going to, I'm going to prove to them that, that I've, I've got, you know, I've got the power to do this. <laughs> That's really the best way I can put it. <laughs> Those are really good words. <laughs> really <laughs> Like, uh, I'm not trying to blow smoke. Those are really good words. Uh, well, I'm glad. Like I said, I have been through quite a bit, and I, I hope, if anything, my goal is to encourage artists of all kinds, big or small, that they can they can push themselves out of out of those comfort zones. Because trust me, your girl has had to do it several times, and to this <laughs> day, there are times where people come to me, they're like, "How do you do it?" And I look them in the eye and I go, "I don't know." <laughs> truthfully, <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> 
I, I do my best, but I'm, I'm just a, I'm just a person here in the middle of Ohio. Like I'm out in the middle of like cornfields. Like I'm just a country girl. Like I'm doing the best I can. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Question as a fan of, of Kirby, just how helpful is it just how expressive Kirby is with these Nendoroids? Oh my goodness. Okay, so I get asked constantly, they're like, all right, who's your favorite Nendoroid? And it's hard. It's hard because mm. I love Link. I do love Link. <laughs> but Kirby has grown on me so much. So the reason I love him not only as just a character, but as a figure. Uh, the reason I love him as a character is because he's universal. You can use him in anything and he just fits right in. He's just this, you look at him, you, there's just positivity. He's got this attitude and he's just a ball with four limbs. Like, I mean, he's precious. Um, but the reason I love him as, as a figure outside of just being a character, I love the fact that in this, the, the Nendroid version of him is that his arms are magnetic. Because I will tell you right now, posing Nendroids because they're chibi and they have large heads is a pain in the butt. <laughs> because they are very top heavy. They very easily fall over, and Kirby is a godsend because you can just move his little magnetic arms wherever. He's very, he's very like grounded, so he's pretty easy to pose on things. And that's the biggest thing with some of the other Nendroids is that, uh, you know, they they have they have their full legs and arms, and then especially with Link, he's got like, like especially uh, Majora's Mask Link, like he's got this big hat. And I love him so much, but oh my goodness, is he a pain in the butt to, he's a pain in the butt. (laughs) (laughs) I have to, I have to like very strategically pose him to either hide the stand or like make sure that his hat and like the front of his body perfectly like evens out with the weight. So he like doesn't fall over, but he also doesn't fall backwards. (laughs) Like it literally looks like I'm setting up like Jenga, like how I'm like trying to pose him. Oh, wow. (laughs) It's very funny. Does it make you really good at Jenga, by the way? Oh, uh, uh, well, honestly, you would think, but even then, I still mess it up. Uh. <laughs> now, if they were balancing Nendroids, now maybe I'd be good at it. I'd be like, all right, I got this. <laughs> yeah, that's what I like about the, the Kirby Nendroids. I have them all just because I'm a fan, but um, oh, yeah. it really helps with using him, using him as reference for drawing Kirby. Because I can put mm-hmm. him in so many positions. It's like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And I can put light under him and understand, oh, this is how you would shade him. And the, just the realization is, well, if you learn how to shade a ball, you can kind of learn how to shade Kirby, too. Exactly, exactly. Honestly, I just feel like he's such a great, especially for people who are just illustrating in general, mm-hmm. I feel like he's such a good reference for people learning how to shade and to pose. Because he is just a ball with, you know, four, four limbs and you can move them around. And um, you, like you, you were talking about the light, you can learn shading really well. And it's, it's, a, it's a good base to build off of because he doesn't have like a nose or anything else you have to deal with shading. He's, he's just a cute little pink ball. <laughs> yeah. uh, what I like is uh, the, the base face, just the mouth open, everything. Uh, for a lot of them, it's a sense of wonder or just a sense of happiness. So you can convey a lot of things just with that base exactly, face. Exactly, exactly. I I love it so much. I really hope, um, and I honestly would love to to push Good Smile with this because I know they released yellow, uh, yellow Kirby. I really want green Kirby, and I know, <laughs> it's, it's my knowledge, I believe Waddle D gets released this month. I'll have to check. Yeah, he comes out um, uh, early September. Oh, um, September. I'm sorry, I keep forgetting it's August. <laughs> well, we're almost there. Um, yeah, we're almost there, um, which I'm so excited for because I love Waddle D and I'm excited to do photos with him and Kirby together because he's adorable. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask about that. Like, you can't. Uh, I was just going to say like, you can't wait for Waddle D, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I actually it was funny. I um, I was looking because I I'm I've actually been an admin for a couple of goods or uh, uh, Nendroid groups like for for a few years now. And it's funny, I forget when pre-order stuff comes out, but I'm reminded because of the groups I, I mod. So I had one come out today. They're like, oh, yeah, this is all that's releasing in September. And I saw um, Waddle D and I was like, oh, my gosh, I forgot. He comes out here. <laughs> <laughs> I like got so excited. I was like, I completely forgot he came out in September. Good smile. I just They have so many nice figurines in general. They really do. Um, <laughs> they put so much care into into the figures they create and not only that but i 
and I'm honestly not even just speaking from the fact that I work for them, but I'm speaking from the years that I have bought and and worked like you know done customer service through them and all this stuff that they've always yeah. been wonderful and like i said that's i'm not speaking biasly i'm speaking as somebody who's a, a, a consumer and not somebody who just you know works for them um and uh anytime i have you know a piece was broken or it came broken or, or something was missing or scuffed or whatever they would replace it instantly they would send me a replacement piece um like it was no it was no big deal uh most of their figures like honestly every single one i have gotten has been just top quality like the only time i've had ones you know been missing a piece or or whatever has either been like a manufacturer error or or you know something in shipping and even then they still replaced it like it was i've never had any other other figure company or anything do that um and i've always been very impressed impressed with with how they treat uh you know, like I said, their customers, and not only that, but their fans, like, I know that they are trying to branch out with a lot of different um, figures that are, you know, I know they're doing a lot of Fortnite stuff, um, and things like that, and I know typically they stuck with anime stuff, um, but I'm really happy to see them branching out and doing all kinds of things, just because the quality of their figures is unmatched, in, in my opinion, when it comes to uh, the accessories, and like, how, how cute they look, um, how well the paint job is. I've been collecting figures since I was nine. And I can tell you, I have waited years to see figures as good as Good Smile and as good as the Figma that they they produce. And I have yet to see anything that is that poseable and that looks that well. I know sometimes it can take a long time to you know get orders in and stuff, but to me, it's always been worth it. Uh, okay. Different question. Um... I don't know if this is 3D printed or just really well hand-drawn or what. The little cartridges. <laughs> Which one? Of the, is, oh. this, is this the Switch or the Game Boy? Uh, uh, I wrote I the picture that has both of them in your hand. Um, like, I guess I the boxes. So that's just like a little tiny paintbrush? Like... So those are actually printed... Okay. Uh, those are printed, those are printed no they're not 3d printed they're paper printed and okay. i had to fold them and and mold them to be that size wow. which was a very big pain in the butt <laughs> <laughs> because when you so here's the thing when you print boxes of that size you can't just print um like typical uh printer paper because it's too thin it doesn't hold the color well enough mm. you have to print a very specific cardstock when you print that cardstock it is a little bit thicker than paper. So when you, you fold it, it can sometimes crunch and fold over uh, important parts of the box or, or whatever to basically it, it high, like it looks wow. like crap. Like it, it, yeah, it, it looks, it looks like, tr like, like somebody rolled up a piece of paper or, or rolled up a ball of trash. Like, so you have to very carefully define those lines that you're folding over and gluing to make it look like a perfect box. Oh. And I printed so extra small because I wanted to be ninja in size. <laughs> and so I did the, I actually have, I think I have Pokemon Sun and Moon um, of that size somewhere. I know I have Pokemon uh, Red, Blue, and Yellow. I think I have Green too. Um, and then I have all the Switch, switch cases, which I, I'm actually getting ready to make um, either a miniature GameCube or N64. I'm Ooh. not sure what I'm going to do yet. But I have the boxes I want to print um and then like fold and you know get obviously customized to size but uh but yeah those are paper <laughs> okay i i feel like a gamecube would be way easier to do oh that's true i i've looked i've looked at how i wanted to do it um i part part of me wants to do n64 because i know it'll be harder yeah but i also am kind of up to the challenge because i love nintendo 64 i also really <laughs> want to make the tiny game guides to n64 because oh, wow. i I was a huge fan, like, so I have a collection of all of the Nintendo powers of probably the last, like, oh my gosh, Dang. six or seven years. I think I have all of them. Hmm. Um, and <laughs> I remember always getting the Nintendo Power game guides that you could get for, like, major they were like the little mini guides that you could get with uh, the magazines. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think I have... 
I think I have every Zelda game guide from that. Nice. Um, I used to be really big into collecting the game guides to really any game, but I was really particular on the Zelda ones. And I have like Majora's Mask. I have uh, I have three different ones of Majora's Mask from different companies. Same with Ocarina of Time. Uh, I have nice. a couple. I think I have a couple that are. Um, it was like, do, do you remember the GameCube? Um, like Zelda edition that had like I think I had Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, and like the first two Zeldas. I think I had that special edition guide somewhere. Wow. Uh, yeah, I used to like scour bookstores for them because they were super cheap. You could go to like used bookstores, and people mm-hmm. didn't know what they were worth. So I would like I, I'm pretty sure I have like probably thirty or forty of them somewhere around my house. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I was. I have a lot. I think the majority of the books I've collected have been game game guides and <laughs> art books. Like if I stacked them up, it would it would be impressive. <laughs> Nice. Like for me, it's uh, it was EGM. I I was subscribed to EGM all my life, but oh, I yes, had that's... all of them. Oh, that's so awesome! Ah, oh. um, no, I just <laughs> I have always had such a fascination with like game guides. Like I just I don't know what it was. I'm like, oh, this is my favorite game. Like, oh, I'm gonna get this. Hmm. Um, I think I was just fascinated with like being able to look at the artwork and and like the little screenshots in it, and everything. Um, I growing up. You know, my family didn't have a lot of money. I started working at like 14 to, hmm. to actually get money to be able to buy game systems. Uh, I worked at a diner and I mowed my neighbor's lawn. <laughs> Dang. And that's how I got my Wii because I was going to get a GameCube. I really, really wanted to play Twilight Princess really, really badly. <laughs> and I, well, I was like, oh, well, the Wii, I can, I can play that on it. So I remember saving money that summer. And to this day, this was the best summer of my life. I saved up money to get that, uh, and I was able to get Smash Brothers, and I was able to get, like, Wind Waker, and, like, all, you know, obviously the, the GameCube games work on the Wii, and <laughs> uh, that that summer basically changed my life. That's when I knew um, that I wanted to, like, I wanted to be in games. Like, I had a feeling, like, you know, I really do want to work, work in, ga- like, the gaming industry, but I didn't know what. Um, and I remember watching the E3 of that year when I got the Wii, and I remember looking at my little brother. Um, we had a shared computer. <laughs> it was it was a piece of crap. We had a shared computer. I remember begging my mom. I was like, "Oh my gosh, E3 is coming on!" I was like, "She's like, what? Just, just let me watch this." <laughs> and I remember sitting and watching. I remember looking at my little brother, and I told him, "I was like, one day, I said your sister is going to go to E3." And I would say about six or seven years later, I went to my first E3, and I remember texting him as I was there for Breath of the Wild. Ooh. And I was, I was actually almost in tears. I texted him, and I said, buddy, I made it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And, and to this day, like, I still look back in pictures of that. And I've gone, you know, I've gone the last, you know, four years, obviously, unfortunately, due to this year, you know, with, mm-hmm. with COVID and stuff. But I've been every year since. Um, but he still talks about that. He's still, he's almost 19 now. And uh, he was telling me, he's like, remember when you said when we were kids, you were going to go to E3? And I was like, yeah. I was like all teary-eyed. I was like, I did it, buddy. <laughs> that is nice. Give him the dream. Oh, yeah. I was like, I told him, I was like, I'm going to do it someday. I really didn't think it was going to happen. But, you know, my life, my life has been a roller coaster for years. <laughs> so I don't know what to expect anymore. But, yeah, it was, it was really cool. <laughs> I'm just going down looking at all these uh, these great shots and everything. Um, people, just yeah, go to her Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. There's just so many good things in here. So oh, thank you, I appreciate uh, it. Uh, I know I wanted to ask something. Let me look at my reference. No, you're fine. Take your time. Oh right. Okay. So uh, cameras, like yes. What do you use? So currently, I use a Canon 60 uh, Mark II. It is a um, Mark II, Mark II, Mark III. I'm getting them confused. <laughs> I'm so confused simply because we just ordered a new camera. And I'm like, am I getting this mixed up with the new one we just ordered? <laughs> so I'm pretty sure Canon D Mark II. So yeah, yeah, okay, Mark II. Okay, we're good. <laughs> okay. I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm not getting it mixed up with the new camera. Um, Because we just ordered, so Canon just unveiled the new R5 and R6. 
um, which is their mirrorless flip LCD camera that's absolutely stunning. Um, and I just upgraded to that. Uh, but I've been using the um, 6D for, I would say, the last two and a half years. And I will tell people now, um, honestly, even I recommend it for people doing macro or figure photography to always get a camera with a flip LCD simply because you can get low to the ground. You can move the, the, the lens out and you can see what you're doing without actually having to, like, get flat to the ground to look at the screen, you know? Um, but I will say also, especially working with, um, my friend, who's an absolutely phenomenal, um, wedding photographer, just photographer in general. She's been doing this for 10 years. Uh, it helps with that too. Like if you're taking wedding photography, portrait photography, whatever, having a flip LCD is a game changer. Um, it makes it so much easier for you to kind of have a good view of everything that you're doing, what you're capturing without having to lay flat and, you know, deal with a flat screen or a fixed screen. Um, so that's a great thing about the new R6 and R5 that are coming out. Um, they are flip LCD, they are mirrorless. Um, and they're also great video quality, uh, which is something I really wasn't into as much. But the reason I am now is because I've started doing more video stuff lately. Hmm. I, can't say for who or what yet, but you'll get to see eventually. <laughs> cool, cool. Um, yeah, you'll you'll see hopefully either later later this month or the beginning of September. Um, you'll be seeing my face a bit more. Unfortunately, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you'll uh, you'll get to you'll get to see actually more in depth of not only my home, but what I do um and how i do things and you'll get to hear me talk about how i do stuff um so that's a little bit why i actually upgraded cameras is because this has autofocus with video which let me tell you oh it nice. is a, whew, it helps so much <laughs> that's good because i was going to ask if you ever considered doing something like that so people could see more in depth so how I you have, do it yeah so i have um i do my little time lapse things um mm -hmm. simply because like, I love, to, I love giving little tidbits and stuff. I have very much and thoroughly thought about either doing Twitch or YouTube um, and uploading that type of stuff. And not that I'm against it. It's just video takes a little bit more. And because I'm constantly doing, um, you know, product photography, like, it's not just... So, like, you know, I, I, I do work for Good Smile. I'll do work for, you know, my other companies. And then I have my actual own art page that I do stuff for. So sometimes it can it can get to be a bit much, and obviously video editing um, is is a lot more. Thankfully, my husband, who went to school for video editing and Ooh. and recording and that stuff, yes, he did. He went so he understands that a bit more. Um, where I do not, I am completely stupid to it. So <laughs> he uh, he understands what looks good with a cut, with it, like he knows how to cut stuff and you know make everything look good, which is amazing. Um, but for me, you know, I'm, I'm basically just, you know, I take pictures of stuff. I, I am slowly learning videography along with a friend of mine, um, from him, but also from other people who do wedding videography. Uh, it is definitely a similar art form, but there's a lot more editing involved. <laughs> hmm. Uh, just, just quick thing on camera. So uh, as a layman, there's only like two camera names I know, and that is... Canon and then Nikon. Nikon's more for like sporting events, I guess. Their cameras. Here's, there's, I know it's funny because there's a lot of times you know people honestly view Nikon, Sony, and Can Canon often like it's like Nintendo, Xbox, and PlayStation, right? It's very similar. <laughs> okay. Um, but in my opinion, like it's all about what you want out of your camera. Like I think. Like Canon, Canon works for me because I like the color grade. I like the interface is very easy to use. Um, and it's just what I, it's just what I learned how to use. Um, and with Nikon, Nikon is very comparable. It really is what you want out of the camera. Nikon, um, like it, it's really like you enjoy their interface and their color grade. Awesome. Like insane with same with Sony, Sony, beautiful cameras. They have gorgeous, like, they have also gorgeous, they have flip LCD, like, they have all that stuff. It's really what you want out of your camera. Like, there's no, like, I know people, like, are, are competitive with it. You know, oh, you use Nikon, or oh, you use Sony or Canon or whatever. <laughs> 
And I'm just like, listen, like, cause people ask me constantly. They're like, oh, you know, I was like, I use Canon simply because like, I enjoy the interface, the color grade, and it's easy for me to use. Like I've been able to learn off of it the best, but honestly, like you're going to get a great camera out of any of the three. It's just what you are comfortable with and what feels good to you. Um, and like I said, I know people are weirdly competitive with that stuff, but it's the same thing with PlayStation, Nintendo, and, <laughs> and Xbox. Like, they're all great systems. They all have, have different, you know, different, um, different aspects. They have different, uh, different games, different whatever, but they're all fun. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's, that's the best way I can put it. Um, people always, always, like, I feel like they always kind of try to start, like, this weird war between it. I'm like, they're all great cameras. Like, <laughs> just pick what's best for you. <laughs> hmm. I, I, I've just been scrolling through all these pictures as we're talking, and they're all great. As I said already, I'm broken record. Okay, so... Okay, we've gone for... All right. Ooh, oh, okay. There's some things I want to ask before we get... Okay. Um, gotta ask, uh, since you've been Nintendo for a lot of your life, like me. Um, yes. So, favorite character out of Legend of Zelda? It can be so, Link, but if it is, you gotta say which game Link, if you I do love Link. My favorite version of Link is Ocarina of Time Link. Mm. My favorite character is probably a tie between Skull Kid... <laughs> I love him because he's weird and just like he's I don't know I just he, I, he always appealed to me I always loved his character design I loved how like quirky he was and kind of whimsical and creepy and I, <laughs> I, I just kind of loved all of it I also love um ooh, this is tough I really do enjoy Midna from Twilight Princess as well I mm. love her sassiness I yeah. love her design. I'm I'm such so actually before I went into uh, or, or kind of felt that photography was my thing, I actually was going into character design, um, character and concept design. So I actually used I'm, I'm a sketch artist. I used to do oh. um, used to do art and stuff like that. And so I I very much love a very good character, creature, or monster design. And that's one thing I absolutely loved about Binna is I loved her impish design. I loved how sassy she was. And I loved just the whole idea of her almost speaking like a Japanese. I think, I feel like she spoke Japanese backwards. I think that that's what was oh. there said or something. They, they talked about how she spoke stuff backwards. I can't remember exactly. It was like, it was like garbled Japanese English or something like that. I can't remember what it was. Um, but I love that. I was like, oh, that's so, that's so creative. Um, another thing besides doing character and concept design, the other thing I actually almost went into, and to this day, I still really want to do, um, is set, uh, set design for either a movie or a TV show. Mm. And I really hope to be able to do that because I build sets, but they're in tiny form. Mm -hmm. So I would love to actually be able to help build a set for a movie, a, like whatever, um, a TV show or or something, uh, you know, in real scale. <laughs> At some point, I'd love to help with that. If it, even if it's in like the smallest capacity, I would love to be like, "Hey, I carved out that tiny rock in the corner. <laughs> At least I did it." You know. <laughs> nice. That's cool. Uh, for yeah, Ocarina of Time for sure. That's that's a great link. Yes. Like, I think that's the one I played the most was Ocarina of Time. I played that a lot in high school. <laughs> Me Way too. too I'm actually I'm actually playing through it right now. Um, huh. <laughs> it took me a bit. I was actually trying to, so I could have sworn that I I bought them on the Wii. You know, back when they had the the virtual console. Hmm. But apparently, I didn't. So I'm going back and like digging through. I'm like, I know I have the the special edition disc. I couldn't find it. So then I'm like, I'm like on like the Wii U and the Wii uh, the the eShop. And I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna buy it for ten dollars because I I I give up. Like I don't. <laughs> I apparently can't find it. So like I, I downloaded it. I'm like, all right, fine, we got it, we're good. So I've been, I've been playing through it, and uh, I forgot how much like I just enjoyed like even the older graphics. Like I don't know, there's something so charming about it. Um, I love, I love the blockiness of it. I, I like, I know they have the the remake of that in uh, Majora's Mask, but there is there is something very magical about about the original that. I feel like no remake or HD version is going to compare to it. I'm going to say I agree, because I've only played the original. <laughs> oh, I've played the 3DS one? 
Uh, no, I've only played uh, the N64 version. Ooh, I mean, like I said, the three. I will say the 3DS version is gorgeous. Um, mm-hmm. I really do hope. Like my only qualm with that and the Majora's Mask one is, I feel like I wish they would have just changed the graphics and not really changed any other dynamics of the game because mm-hmm. I feel like they too easy. Yeah. Um, but that's just me. Like it's still enjoyable, but I feel like it's lost some of its clunky charm. Um, because some of the things in Majora's Mask that made it difficult, and like I said, clunky, also added to the charm of it. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it was kind of a pain in the butt, but at the same time, like, it it added to, um, the the game that it was at that time. Uh, and it's the same thing with, like, Metroid and the old Mario games. Like, wow, they, you know, they could have streamlined this if they did this. But the fact that they didn't just kind of makes it it takes you back to that time where, like, wow, this was really difficult, and they <laughs> could have made this easier, but they didn't. <laughs> now I want to ask, uh, have you played any Kirby games, or just played with the figure? Oh, no. I've play- So, I have not played a lot, but I have put it upon myself, after loving the figure so much, <laughs> that I'm like, okay, I'm going to start playing some of the games. So I have played a few of the over the older ones, but I do really love the. Uh, is it? I, feel, I believe it's called Kirby's. Is it Dream Course? Ooh, yep, Kirby's Dream Course. That's the golf one. Yes, I love that game. <laughs> oh my goodness, it's like Kirby Golf. <laughs> yep, I love it so much. I I would say like I know it's like I mean yes it's a Kirby game, but it's like a Kirby like battle royale game. Where you're just like, you know, you trying to knock each other off and stuff. But I absolutely freaking love that game. Um, it's hilarious. I love like I love like the music and the way the levels are. Like, I don't know. It's just it's super fun to me. Um, I love Dream Course. I do love some of the newer Kirby games. I loved Robobot. I thought it was cute. Nice. Um, I love the different, you know, things you could add to your suit. Um but uh but yeah, I need to go through and play all of the older Kirby's. I, I like I said, I haven't really gotten a chance to play through all of like the originals, but I do know I love Dream Course very much. <laughs> <laughs> like it's fortunate, um like uh what was it uh, so I have a second podcast called Dream- Kirby's Dream uh Dreamcast. Because oh, I thought yeah? it was a fun play on words. And it's going over the anime, but also the games in order. And I learned so much about the making of Dream Course, uh, in that it was originally a, it was originally like Pin Course, something. Like, it was like its own game, and then they're like, you know, Kirby might be good on this, and then they put Kirby, and they had powers, and they just made so much out of it with Kirby on it. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, but that's I, great. It's, it's so funny because they're almost just like, you know, what could make this better? Let's just add Kirby to it. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually what I really like about Nintendo is, uh, well, Hal's partially Nintendo, uh, their their own thing, where uh, for Hal as a company, because I also went through their history with the podcast, is they've made everything. They're they're gaming enthusiasts from the start. So they've made like pinball games, they've made uh, like a pool game, gambling games, they made a bunch of sport games, they made everything. So they have an experience in just doing crazy, uh, random stuff. So that's why Kirby has so many random games. Right, like, right. We want to make a breakthrough game. All right, put Kirby on it. And it works. <laughs> oh, it does. It really does. They're like, oh, you know who would fit perfect for this random game we're doing? Kirby! <laughs> yep. And then the same thing happens with Nintendo themselves. They have the same idea. Yeah. Like, uh, well, if we have a fun idea. Who can we put on this? Do we want to put Link on this idea? Mario? And then they figure out who. Or in the case of Splatoon, it was they were making a Mario game. And then they realized, no, Mario doesn't fit perfect for this. Why don't we just make it original? And it became Splatoon. Yeah, why don't we just... Exactly, exactly. And honestly, I am so glad. Like, I'm slightly sad because, like, I'm really glad Splatoon, their their original concept has done so well. But I'm a little sad that ARMS hasn't done as well. Yeah. Because I love ARMS. So, like, <laughs> when I was actually at uh, E3, I think it was the... I can't remember if it was the year that ARMS released or it was like one of their, their, the year after when they were like doing tournaments with Splatoon, Smash Brothers and ARMS. Oh yeah. But I remember winning one of the ARMS tournaments and to this day, I still have this, I'm actually looking at it right now in the (laughs) office. I have the ARMS snapback. Nice. Um, Yeah. We won, we won one of the tournaments and they gave it to us. Um, 
but yeah, like I loved ARMS. I remember doing the the beta for it. I went to a uh, Switch release party in Chicago um, to do coverage. And it was like a, it was a closed event. And they only had like a, like, I can't remember how many people like to test. They had uh, to test like Breath of the Wild, I think on the Switch and like a bunch of other, I can't remember what other games. They had like, they had ARMS, they had Splatoon. Um, I can't remember the other one, but yeah, I remember like being able to like box and fight and stuff. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. Like it was really fun. Um, and I, I really hope that they kind of like, they like, like re, I don't want to say like reignite it, but like revamp it. Um, because I love the concept and the characters were so cool. The music was absolutely amazing. Um, I just thought it was such a cool concept, especially since like a lot of, companies like they they're sticking to their old guns of like the, the the classics i know nintendo typically does that but i love the fact that they were still branching out with you know some new some new styles some new characters new games and i with arms and splatoon and i really hope they kind of do that again because i was very much enjoying it <laughs> yeah like i feel like once every five years a new concept comes out exactly it was arms <laughs> splatoon before that i think Maybe Animal Crossing was the concept before that? Like, no, Animal Crossing's all the way back to 64. I forget that. Or GameCube. Yeah, Animal Crossing started uh, with well, it was 64. Because what was the first one for Animal Crossing for 64? I can't remember. It was called... Um, uh, it was... Um, in Japan, I think it was called, like, Animal Life or something. But in, in America, it was called just Animal Crossing. Okay, I couldn't remember if it was, like, Animal Crossing with, like, some subtitle. Because then I remember in um, the GameCube, it was, like... What was it? Animal Crossing? Leaf? Like new, new something. I think or it's new, new leaf, but that might be 3ds. I, I, no, new, I new leaf was 3ds. Because okay, okay. that that was my introduction to Animal mm. Crossing. I had played a little bit of it on the GameCube, but I, I didn't. I never actually got the chance to own the GameCube because we never had like the money for it. So the only wow. time I played it was at a friend's house. Mm. Um, but new leaf was like I still to this day I've probably over a thousand hours in that game. Wow. And then when it came out on the Switch. I was like, oh my gosh, this is my life. <laughs> I spent too much time. I I built Cur- uh, the island's Kirby. It's just a giant Kirby. Oh, that's so cute. So mine is all like, honestly, God, it's very similar to like my house now, but it's very like cottagey. But I also cool. put a bunch of attributes in it. So I actually created, which you'll have to visit my island. I actually created <laughs> um, this little grove of trees that's like in uh, a link to the past, where you come and speak to the flute boy. And he like plays his flute, <laughs> and then yeah, they, I have to stump and everything. Oh, like it yeah, looks nice. <laughs> and like I hid it like away in my island. I'll, I would love it when because you have to go through a grove of trees to find it. It's like my orchard. You have to go through. Nice. And my friends found it. They're like, oh my gosh, is this from Zelda? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> nice. Like and and oh, I can't even imagine how much time that took. Like just Kirby Island took. I don't know, 40-something hours? I can't imagine how long your thing took. Dang. Oh, so I I only terraformed a bit. I kept, okay. Because I was very particular at my island base because I kind of knew what I was going to do. Hmm. I moved my house, like, way up in the corner on the mountains, like, away from everything, and I built, like, my little village. I built, like, a little vegetable garden and then, like, built, like, my, t- my little shopping town around it and everything. Um, and then I built like a hiking trail and stuff, but yeah, I hid, I hid my little Zelda, like my little Zelda <laughs> shrine in the corner. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's, it's really funny because my friend's like, is this, this is from Zelda, right? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that was cute. Nice. All right. Random, random question. Uh, since y'all are so good working with little, painting little miniatures, any experience with 40k? Any experience with what? I'm sorry. Uh, Warhammer 40k? Oh, so, okay. Not Warhammer. But I have a ridiculous amount of D&D minis. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Which are very similar. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm literally looking at them right now. Nice. Um, This is actually something, like, again, this is, like, something my husband does. He actually, like, he's a writer. So he does a lot of... um, he was a writer before I met him, and then once we started doing, like, D&D stuff, he's actually written, like, D&D campaigns and stuff for us. We're actually, our group, me and him and our friend group, are actually doing, like, a pirate D&D campaign that he's written. And so, so he cool. has all of us in, like, pirate version that he's hand-painted, which I'll have to show you. He, Like I said, he's an insane painter, like, detail painter. They look so ridiculously good. 
Nice. And he has like a bunch of cool creatures. He actually painted me my favorite monster, which is the Leshen. Um, it's actually from oh. The Witcher, but he's a it's a uh, an old creature from uh, overseas, but he's been around for ages. But yeah, so he painted me that. Um, yeah, he's oh gosh, he's so good at like mini painting. Um, but yeah, he, uh, yeah, like I said, I'm looking at like all of our characters, like on my, my shelf right now that he's painted, <laughs> that's getting like the, we're going to use for our, our next session. Um, but yes, when it comes to war, like I guarantee he would, he would do Warhammer stuff too, if he wasn't like doing a bunch of Dungeons and Dragons stuff. <laughs> that's nice. Yeah. I love the Warhammer minis though. My, I used to help one of my friends paint them. Um, I Ooh. always thought they were super neat. <laughs> all right. Well. I totally want to talk to you about D&D for a second after the podcast, because it's time to round it out. <laughs> so the last thing I want to ask is uh, just for anyone, like anyone young or, or even old, just if they wanted to do like some photography just for fun or something like that, what would yeah. your advice be? So I always tell people starting out with photography. I know you're very tempted to um, start out with, you know, you see people starting out with these big, fancy cameras and all that stuff. And I know it's tempting to do that. But I will tell you right now, I started with a very badly broken iPhone <laughs> <laughs> when I started taking pictures. And I started, again, with a very low-end Canon camera. Um, taking pictures and realizing, like, you know, I, I, I really like this. It's okay to start out small. You don't, th your only competition, your only person that you're trying to beat is yourself. Don't worry about anybody else. Don't worry about anybody else's cameras, their quality, whatever. You focus on bettering yourself and your pictures and what's making you happy. Um, and not, you know, comparing yourself to everybody else. Because I used to be like that. I can tell you right now, like, if you're happy with a photo you took, whether it's with an iPhone, a, a low-end Canon, or the highest-end, like, camera. Like, that's what's important. Is that you're seeing progress in yourself. You're seeing progress in your art. Um, and you're happy with it. So I always tell people starting out, start small. Kind of get a feel for it. And see if, like, you know what, this is something I really enjoy. This is something I actually, like, want to put time and money into. Or if it's, like, something, you know, oh, you know, I, I enjoy doing this casually. Then get a small, like, point-and-shoot camera and, and roll with it. Like, you can do so much with just even an iPhone. Or, like I said, or a low-end point-and-shoot camera. It's all about who's behind the lens. It's all about the person that's taking the photo and it's all about, you know, you learning composition. Like, you, you have to learn those things. And you don't have to have this big fancy camera to do that. Like I said, I started with, with an iPhone. And I barely knew what I was doing. But I learned how to do composition. I learned how to do lighting, even from that. And that's what's important. You build off of that. Um, and if it's something you really enjoy, and, and it's something you feel like you, you really want to get into, then you upgrade from there. Um, and the biggest thing too, have fun with it. Don't pressure yourself to be better than, you know, all these other people or you know other people that have either better cameras or you know doing all this stuff or posting constantly. Like, go at your own pace and have fun. Because if you're not having fun and you're not enjoying what you're doing and you're forcing yourself to do it, then the creativity, the 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 part of you that's coming out in your art isn't going to be there. And that's that's what I've learned from years of doing this. <laughs> This is so inspirational. It's it's really good. I I love how inspiring this is. Oh, good. I'm glad. I really I really hope that this resonates with a lot of people because I have been I have been in those hard spots where you just don't feel like you're clicking with anything and you're hard on yourself and you don't need to be. You really don't. Art is subjective. Art is uh, between you and the piece that you're working on. Truly. Nice. Good. Makes me want to do better. All right, I I, I got to ask this before we head out, and then we'll then we're yeah. out. Um, do, have you played Origami King? Yes, I love it. <laughs> uh, have you beaten it? No, but I am a good chunk of the way there. I love it, and I think all the toads in it are absolutely hilarious. We like run into a tree, and they I like pull out a ball of paper, and you're like toads, and you're like I'm here. <laughs> uh, th it's great, and yeah, the toads are hilarious. The writing's hilarious. 
what blows my mind is the fact all those origami toads are doable. Right? So crazy. It's so funny. Wait, what stream are you up to? I'm sorry, what? Uh, what color streamer are you at? I'm not sure. I, it's a bit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Well, that is basically a podcast. Wonderful guest, Captain Dangerous. Oh, it's so wonderful to be on here. Thank you. And yeah, there's, I think there's a lot of value to the, this podcast. It's very inspirational. Uh, there's so much good stuff. Everyone check it out. Uh, once again, uh, you our Instagram is uh, Captain Dangerous. Yes. Uh, is it 64 or just Captain Dangerous? Captain Dangerous on Instagram and Captain Dangerous 64 on Twitter. Okay, and uh, I'll have all, all the links in the YouTube version's description, and and yeah, check it out. It's so good. <laughs> so, well, thank you. It has been basically a podcast. I had fun talking. Uh, I, hope, I hope y'all had fun listening, and that's what it's all about, isn't it? Having fun. Thanks for coming by, and see you next time. Bye!